I wanted to spend just a moment, maybe 10, 15 minutes, looking through one story in the Bible. Um, and it's in, it's in the beginning of Luke. It's a very familiar song that we're going to read, but I want to back up just a few verses from this, this uh, joyful song that Mary sings. And I want to start with verse 39 of, of Luke. And so if you have your Bible, you can uh, turn to that passage with me. Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 39. And this is how uh, this part of the story goes. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered uh, Zechariah's home. So a family member, a distant family member, Zechariah and uh, his wife, Elizabeth. Um, Or she entered the home and greeted Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was a a distant relative of Mary. And when Elizabeth uh, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt. See, Elizabeth was pregnant as well with John the Baptist in her womb. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed his mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So over this, uh, this season, this church season, which we call Advent, which is the four weeks leading up to, to Christmas, we've been looking at um, four uh, very traditional virtues that Christians have um, focused on, reflected on throughout the season of Advent. And those, uh, those four virtues that we've been looking at are hope, um, peace, joy, and love. And um, I was walking around my neighborhood, um, you know, short walk, a mile and a half, two-mile walk yesterday, and I started noticing all of the, 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 the yard decorations that people had set out. And, and one um, I saw over and over again, and I want, I want you to just guess, and it was one of these four uh, virtues that we, that we focus on during Advent, I want you to guess which one of the four I saw over and over and over again in people's yards. Which one was it? It was joy. It was joy. So, yeah, I actually took pictures 
um, of all of the joy signs. This is just in a mile and a half walk around my neighborhood. I saw four, and I'm sorry if that's one of yours. I, I didn't mean to, to, uh, to, to. If if you think I was stalking your joy sign, that wasn't it at all. I just, I didn't see any other sacred yard decorate. Maybe a manger, but they were all about joy, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I, I, I was thinking, why? So why is that? Why? Why do we see joy all, and maybe you have that, it's a really popular uh, uh, yard decoration. Why is it that we see so many joy decorations? And I'm wondering if um, it's because I think of the four of these words, joy might be the most elusive of the four. I mean, I think uh, it can be natural for us to, to hope um, even if it's wishful thinking, and hope in the Bible is never wishful thinking hope, um, but um, hope, yearning for more, that, that can come naturally. Peace, just an absence of threats can bring peace. We can go through seasons of peace quite naturally. Love. Um, it may be difficult to love everyone, but I think it's kind of easy to at least love someone. I think love is something that many people experience, but not joy. And I'm wondering if joy is, of those four, it's the one that we really hunger for, this, this, just this light inside of us that seeks to, to bust out this, this, this inner quality that, that is, um, is radiant, and it, and, it, and it wants to exclaim something, something beautiful, that is happening, and yet it could be so elusive. So what I want to do is I want to look at the story of Mary and Elizabeth and the song that Mary sings and think about how do you, um, how do you find joy? And I think one of the first and most important things to, to realize, at least as the Bible presents joy to us, is that joy grows, it's, it's, it's much different from happiness, where happiness can spring up all of a sudden and then wither away all of a sudden. Happiness is so much more circumstantially tied than, than joy. Happiness can come and go just as circumstances change in our... And, that, and, and that's been often said of the difference between joy and, ha- and happiness. Happiness comes and goes with our circumstances, but, but joy is something that, that, that grows. Um, think of Galatians chapter 5 when Paul mentions the fruit that grows with the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. The fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But joy is a fruit. It grows in us. It's, it's something that God wants to be ever-present in our life, not like happiness, which just comes and goes with circumstances. So how, how does, we're going to look at three things, three, if you want to think of it like this, three things that have to be present in the soil of our life for, for joy to, to grow. And the, the first thing that is needed for joy to grow is this. Joy is grown in, in and we see this in Mary and what Mary says, in God himself. What, is, what does Mary say in, in verse um, 46 as she begins this, this, this song that she, she, she begins 
this, this poem that, that she, she uh, exclaims to her, her relative Elizabeth. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, Mary is, is joyous. Notice, she, she's, and, and it's not in personal circumstances that she's finding her joy. Um, because in this song, Mary identifies herself with this lowly state. God has been mindful of my humble, my lowly uh, state. And we know um, from Luke chapter 2, what is revealed about Mary and Joseph, that they, that they were a very poor family. So Mary is joyful, but it's not because of her, her immediate circumstances of her wealth or her status. It's this, this poor um insignificant to the world uh, young lady living in a small little town of Nazareth. Um, Mary would have identified with, with the hungry that she sings about in this song. That God has, has fed the hungry. He's brought down those, the powerful, but he's lifted up those who are low. Um, but, but where is Mary... Finding her joy, it's, it's in God. It's in God, my Savior. Uh, the original language is clear about this. Mary doesn't say um, um, uh, that, that I'm finding my joy in, in these other circumstances. She's finding joy in God. And she doesn't say God, the Savior. She doesn't even say God, our Savior, which you might have thought that, that, that a Jewish person might have, they were so communally oriented that Mary might have said, my, my soul rejoices in God, our Savior. But she says, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. So what did Mary realize? She, that God was her Savior, that, that, that God knew exactly what Mary was going through, that God knew Mary. And he looked on her in her lowliness. So real joy, if we're going to have real joy, we can't locate it in, in our circumstances or anything that, that we actually do. It's in something that God does to and, and for us. And the world says, the world says, find, try to find joy in something that you do, doesn't it? You know, try to find joy in... In, in, in finding the right guy and marrying him or finding the right girl and marrying her, finding the right, the, the right job, the right career. Um, that's how you find joy. That's what the world says to us. But one thing is for certain, and if that's where we try to locate our joy in, in our circumstances, one thing is for certain, and that is sooner or later, what we build will come to an end sooner or later in one way or another. But Christianity says you can have joy that lasts, and it's because you have a God who knows you. God, your Savior. And he is drawn close to you. And that's why the, the name that is given to Jesus, Emmanuel, is such an important name for us. Emmanuel meaning God with us, that God has drawn close to us and you. And if you want to grow in joy, cultivate it through a real relationship with a personal God. Um, you know, I was thinking about just daily time with God 
And I don't know if that's something that, that you, you do on a daily basis, have a personal time with God. If you want to cultivate joy, at least include that to cultivate this, this life with a personal God. Um, in your notes, by the way, in your bulletin, I, I, I just listed a scripture. So if you don't do this, I would really encourage you to do this through Christmas. I think it's nine scriptures, nine days, starting from now, going through Christmas, nine scriptures from the Gospel of John that I've listed in your bulletin. Spend 10 minutes a day, a few minutes reading through that daily scripture, and then, and then reflect on it. And think, what does the scripture say about who God is or who Jesus is? What does the scripture say about, about me, who I am? And what does the scripture urge me to do? I invite you just every day for between now and Christmas, 10 minutes a day, read through those scriptures and just reflect and write a little bit. And what you're doing is you're spending time with your personal Savior, and it's, and it's in that personal Savior that Mary found her joy. Um, the, the, the second thing, let's move to the second thing. Joy is grown by recalling past promises and anticipating their future fulfillment. Past promises of God and anticipating their future fulfillment. So in order to understand the song of Mary that she just she just lets this poem out, you have to, you have to realize that she wasn't making this stuff up on the spot. I mean, Mary may have been a gifted poet, but, but, but this comes forth through her reflecting on past promises of God and then anticipating their future fulfillment. So if you like Bible study, write this passage down, 1 Samuel chapter 2. And on your own, it starts with verse 1 and it goes through like verse 10. Read the song that Hannah sings or prays to God because uh, Mary's song is very similar to the song that, that Hannah sings. Hannah was uh, the mother of Samuel, another miraculous birth story. Hannah was unable to conceive a child, prays to God, God, be mindful of your humble servant, just like Mary said. And God gives Hannah a son, Samuel. And then, and then Hannah re- sings the song. Now, I'm not saying that Mary's a copycat, but her song is so similar to Hannah's. What does that say? It says that Mary was rehearsing the past promises of God. She knew those past promises of God. She, she knew the, 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 what we would say the Old Testament scriptures. Of course, for her, it was just the scriptures, the sacred scriptures. She knew God's promises, and she was, and, and we see those promises in Mary's song and in Hannah's song. Uh, God, Hannah prays God would look on her low state. She, uh, Hannah prays, as Mary does, uh, or says, God lifts up the humble, God fills the hungry. Um, and um, so I, I want us to think about. Um, this encounter that we rehearsed earlier with the kids, Gabriel's uh, visit to Mary. Uh, Mary is visited by Gabriel, who tells her she is highly favored by God. Now think about the circumstances in Mary's life. She's poor. She's from this small little town. No one knows Mary. 
She, she's visited by Gabriel. You're highly favored by God, and you will have a son, and your son's kingdom will never, ever end. In other words, Mary, God is answering all of these promises that you've been reflecting on, that you've been rehearsing on, rehearsing in your mind. God is answering all of these promises by bringing the Messiah through you. And she's full of joy. And she, re- she rejoices in front of Elizabeth. I rejoice. But has God's promises been fulfilled yet? Fully fulfilled? No, not yet. She's gonna have, well, first of all, she's going to have to wait for the Messiah to be born. She's going to have to wait a few months for that to be fulfilled. And, and then there is even more waiting because when Jesus is born and, and when he grows up, he announces that his kingdom is coming to the world, but it's only, it's, it's, it's just coming. It's, it's, his kingdom is not in full. And Mary and us as well will have to wait for his second coming, his return, for him to bring his eternal kingdom in all of its fullness. And this says something really important about joy. Joy, joy pulls us toward the future. It, it, it pulls us to the future fulfilling of God's promises. C.S. Lewis really talks about this. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, and, and he likened joy to, to what, he, what I think what he called a blissful longing. Where, where, where you, you encounter beauty in this, in now, in the present, and it stirs in your heart, but it, it creates a, a longing for something more in the future when, when you know somewhere down the line it's got to be fulfilled. This longing that your heart has encountering this beauty, but you know this beauty that you experience now is just temporary, but God will fulfill that in the future, and C.S. Lewis calls that joy. I was able to go um, with my wife to Melissa to see uh, Handel's Messiah um, last last night, and we often think of the Hallelujah chorus that you know that that most famous part of Handel's Messiah. But um, if you've if you've seen the whole thing, you know that it it actually it ends with with a scene from Revelation. This this glorious Amen. Uh, of of when Jesus um, returns and he's he he he's going to remake all of creation, and so Handel's Messiah closes. It's not the very end, but it's close to the end of this promise of our our bodies, our 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 uh, our, our dead bodies in the ground. Um, when Jesus returns, being raised and, and raised incorruptible. So listening to this this beautiful moment. Um, from Messiah, and it creates that that little blissful longing. Yeah, I want more. I want more, God. I'm ready for that that promise to be fulfilled. That's what joy does in our life. So, if you want to have joy, you have to rehearse the past promises of God and look forward to their future fulfillment. And this leads us to our third point, and. Um, it may be a point that we don't often connect with joy immediately. And that is, joy is grown through community that nourishes. And I want you to think about the angel's visit to Mary. Gabriel comes and gives her this amazing news. The Savior of the world will be born through her. And you might expect for Mary to then burst into her song, My soul rejoices. 
My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. But she doesn't do that just then, does she? No, it's after she goes to her cousin, her distant cousin Elizabeth. There's, there's, there's a gap between the angel's amazing message to Mary and Mary's erupting in praise and joy. And if I, and, and others have pointed this out, if I had to put my finger on what's going on, it's, it's Mary's still processing through what the angel tells her and what this is going to mean for her. I mean, she knows as she accepts the Lord's will in her life, it's going to terribly disrupt her life. Her life will not be the same. And these questions, God, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in my life? Yeah, I'm going to have a Savior, but there's a lot of trouble that Mary anticipates. And the angel tells her, go see your cousin. <laughs> and I want us to notice something that, that Mary probably was not a she wasn't a close relative but she probably, relationally probably wasn't very close to Elizabeth. Because one, the angel had to tell her, this is your relative Elizabeth that I'm talking about. Two, the angel says, and she's six months pregnant. So Mary doesn't know that Elizabeth is pregnant. Three, there is an age gap between Mary and Elizabeth of decades. Probably wasn't relationally close to Elizabeth. And, and the angel says, you need to go see your cousin. Go see your cousin, Elizabeth. And it's after she goes to see Elizabeth that what happens? Elizabeth hears Mary, probably not a relationally close relative, coming and says, Mary, as soon as you walked in, the baby that's in my womb has, has, has just moved with joy inside of my womb. And, 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 and let's, let's look at what, what Elizabeth what Elizabeth says to Mary. Verse 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, and think about how important this would have been for Mary to hear. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's an encouraging word, right? Think of troubled Mary. What is this going to mean to me? This, this encouraging word that she receives from Elizabeth. And then verses 44 and 45. As soon as the, the sound of your greeting reached my ears, that baby just leapt in my womb, Mary. And then blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Think about the encouragement that, that would have been for Mary. Mary's hoping in this promise of the Lord. But she needs that, that nourishing community coming around her and saying, and blessed are you, Mary, when you fully believe that God is faithful to his promises. Two things we see in this verse. Mary is commended for her faith. You have believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises, and blessed are you when you believe that God will fulfill his promises to you. And the second thing I think we see in this is these are not empty words that Elizabeth says to Mary. They were meaningful words that Elizabeth says to Mary. Mary needed to hear that from Elizabeth. Elizabeth was building her up. I know this seems like a challenge, Mary, but the Lord is with you. And it is after that encounter with Elizabeth that Mary then erupts with this this song, this joyful song. You may feel similarly. You may think, 
I know God's going to fulfill his promises to me, but still, I, I, don't, I don't see when, I don't see how. And I can be afraid. And life can squeeze in on me and weigh me down. And you need that little encouragement from community for, for joy to, to grow fully in your heart. Now, I know all of these are countercultural. Placing our joy in something other than we do, that's countercultural because the world says, you, you make your own joy. God says, no, let me be your joy. Um, and, then, and then waiting for future fulfillment to these past promises. God has promised, you know, immediate promises, but also promises that we've been hanging on to, Christians have been hanging on to for hundreds of years and waiting for their future fulfillment. That's countercultural. And, and finding joy in community. Uh, that's not necessarily where we first turn. So think about those countercultural ways for you to have joy grown in your life and also remember that it's the countercultural God. God. It's God who's acting counterculturally. He's the one who left heaven, his high position in heaven, taking on human flesh, being born a servant savior to us so that he could save you and save us from our sins and so that he could fulfill all these promises. That's where we find joy and the God who comes down to us. So I invite you to, to pray with me and uh, finish our worship service here um, with this prayer and with an offering. But Father, um, thank you that you promise us this, this quality of joy that can seem so elusive. We get, we get weighed down with, with life. We experience the roller coaster of emotions of, that, 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 that come with favorable circumstances and then a change of our circumstances and how that can bring our hearts down. But thank you, Lord, that you promise this joy that lasts, that, that, that will, will last in our life when we find it in you. When we think about your faithfulness and your promises, and when we seek you together in, 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 in Christian community, will you build up this joy in our hearts because we long for it. We long for this brightness in our life. And we know that brightness comes to us through Jesus who says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have this joyful light in them. So thank you for the gift of joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.